TII item 421, February 20th, 2017, iOS 10.3, Beta 3. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Gullet! Oh, yeah. My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of who I am. This episode is sponsored by Bowl and Branch. Go right now to bowlandbranch.com and use promo code TII to get $50 off the nicest sheets and cotton products you've ever owned. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Rob, and you are listening to the Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Neil for sending in the music you hear. This is the same Neil who sent in the artwork for episode 420. Neil wrote, Hi, Rob. Here is some music for your show. Not saying it's good music. I had fun making it, though, using the Songify app, DM1, and Adobe Sound Booth. Regards, Neil Barbosa. Well, thanks, Neil, for the music. And folks, I'll put the full song at the end of the episode. I also want to thank Jim for sending in the artwork for today's show. Jim wrote the following. Hi, Rob. I took this picture with my iPhone 7 Plus at the Denver Art Museum Star Wars costume exhibit. I edited it with Adobe Photoshop Fix and Photoshop Mix on my iPad. There was another robot in the picture I needed to get rid of. I then used Snapseed to add the text. Regards, Jim from Morrison, Colorado. Well, thanks, Jim, for sending in this artwork. Which, folks, you can see Jim's artwork in the free TI app via the bonus button for episode 421 or at Instagram.com slash Today in iOS and also as a free standalone post in the VIP section and at Facebook.com slash Today in iOS. If you have some artwork and or music that you have created on your iOS device that you would like to share with the audience, please email to me at todayinios at gmail.com and please make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. One thing I would love to do this year mentioned this previously, is if you can get a picture of yourself in front of your local Apple store, take the picture and put TII or Today and iOS branding on it and also include the city and state or country or whatever the name of that app store, Apple store is, I would like to kick off that starting in April with the 10th year anniversary of the show. And I've already got a bunch sent in, but make sure to get um, all of the Apple store in there and again to add in the store location uh, using an app like Over or something like that. And um, make sure you have yourself in there, not just a selfie. Get someone to take it for you. And I am completely out of music again and again and again. So if you have some music you've created an iOS device, please send it into the show today in iOS at gmail.com. Thank you. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote. Quote, Amazon's pricing ambition is the clearest indication of its iPhone playbook. Undercut rivals and grab meaningful market share. It also shows that Apple's worst nightmare may be coming true. Prices could fall not just for cheap phones in developing markets, but higher-end ones too, unquote. Amir Efradi and Jessica E. Leeson at jessicaleeson.com, 6th of September, 2013. This is the same refrain we hear over and over and over again. Cheap arrivals will drive down pricing and profits, except that is not the case with Apple's products. People, shockingly, are willing to pay a fair price for a quality product. Amazing. Yes, some will want to pay next to nothing to get next to nothing in quality, and they're called Android users. But many others still believe in the you-get-what-you-pay-for mantra, and that has fueled and will continue to fuel the Apple ecosystem. Just saying. For promo codes on episode 420, we offered up chances to win promo codes for two different apps. The app... Defense Zone 3 Ultra HD and the app Q Music. If you want more info on these apps, go back and listen to the beginning of episode 420. I haven't given out the promo codes yet for Q Music, but App Defense Zone 3 Ultra HD, those promo codes have been given away. Sadly, no new promo codes this week. If you are a dev or an iBook author, shame on you for not sending in your promo codes. Which leads us to this quick reminder if you are an app dev or an iBook author or an iMessage sticker creator, Email me if you want your app or iBook or stickers featured in the promo giveaway segment or free. We just need five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com and include a 60-second or less audio review of your app or iBook or stickers, indicating that you are a, the dev, the author, or the creator. Also, when you send in the promo codes, please make sure to let me know when they expire. And speaking of iOS app devs, if you are said dev, Clear June 5th to June 9th on your calendar. That is when WWDC 2017 will be. Expect 
June 5th at 10 a.m. Pacific time to be when the WWDC keynote will take place with the introduction to iOS 11, Watch OS 4, and Apple TV 11, plus the next-gen Mac OS. Do not expect any hardware announcements. Apple will have its hands full with those four major OSs, plus HomeKit, HealthKit, and CarPlay. Yeah, so very, very unlikely for any hardware announcements this year. That, of course, will not stop Digitimes, BGR, and other fake news sites from reporting such rumors starting in 3, 2. If you are planning, hoping to go to WWDC this year, it will be in San Jose, not San Francisco, as in past years. So that's a nice thing there, a little bit cheaper. WWDC 2017 will be at the McHenry Convention Center in San Jose, which is just minutes from Apple's headquarters. Apple said a key reason for this was to allow engineers to go over for one session and not have to give up their entire day to do so. This will allow Apple to have more engineers involved in sessions than before. Apple did say they expect there to be about 5,000 devs at WWDC, same as last year. And I think the move makes a lot of sense. If you are going to travel, it's no big deal to get a ticket to San Jose versus San Francisco. But if you are an Apple engineer, it is a big issue to get from San Francisco to San Francisco for a whole day commit versus, say, San Jose, where you're just committing a few hours. Apple will have many, many, many uh, times more people register than will be awarded tickets, just like last year and the year before. If you do not get tickets, there will be live streaming throughout the entire week from Apple Developer website. That's developer.apple.com slash WWDC. And, of course, on the WWDC app for iOS and Apple TV per getting a ticket to the event from Apple. Quote, registration opens Monday, March 27th at 10 a.m. Pacific time. The opportunity to buy tickets to WWDC will be offered by random selection. To register, you must be a member of the Apple Developer Program or Apple Developer Enterprise Program, unquote. We'll mention this again as we get closer to that date, but best if you add that day time to your calendar if you want to try to get tickets. Tickets look to be the same as last year's $1,599. Again, you must be an official member of the Apple Developer Program or Developer Enterprise Program to register, and you must have been registered in those programs before February 16th at 5.30 a.m. Pacific Time. So if you are not an official member of the Dev Program already, no soup for you. Not that you were likely to get soup anyway, because the chances of getting hit, hit picked are slim, less than 25%. Apple did say there would be scholarships given again, but to stay tuned for that info. They also stuck with the tradition and did not invite me out. But hey, at least Microsoft will have me out again to their developer conference in May. Just saying, Apple. I did send an email to Apple PR asking for some love in covering the event. And Lisa at Apple replied back saying, they have not issued media invites at this time and appreciate me reaching out. I appreciate the reply. I would really appreciate an invite, but per getting one of those coveted media invites, you know the type Microsoft gets me? Yeah, well, uh, breath hold, I will not. That said, each year we get a few listeners that wind up making it out to WWDC, and if you do win the lottery where you then get to spend $1,600 plus travel expenses, let me know. Would love to get your feedback when you're at the show. Whenever Apple announces an event and they release artwork, each year, each event, we try to find the hidden meaning in the artwork per what will be announced. And this year, we can say the hidden meaning is recycling, as the artwork design seems to be recycled from artwork done for a 2010 Spanish film festival. Both feature top-down look of colorful people flocking about. So there's the hidden message, recycling stuff from the past. In any case, this time, no need to look for at the artwork for any other significant hidden messages. Just that they took some artwork they thought was neat for a Spanish film festival and redid it for the Apple event. Brilliant! Like clockwork, Apple is back on their two-week release of betas. This time, iOS 10.3 Beta 3 released two weeks after Beta 2. So what is new? Well, one thing is app compatibility. Go to Settings, General, about, and then applications. And it gives a list of apps that may have issues. It says that for that section, quote, these apps may slow down your iPhone and will not work with future versions of iOS if they are not updated. If no update is available, contact the app developer for more information, unquote. 
if this sounds like Apple calling out the app devs that have not updated their apps, uh, yes, yes it is. But it's also calling you out for not updating apps that can be updated. Once you see your list of apps that might cause issues, tap on each of those individual apps, and it takes you to them to update if there's an update available in the App Store, and if not, it tells you when the last update was, and then you can go to the developer's website and say, please update. Right now, iOS 10.3 Beta 3 is just available for devs. For those on the beta testing program, you should likely see it mid this week, so good chance by the time you hear this, uh, you may want to check, and iOS 10.3 Beta 3 may be available for you. Apple also released watchOS 3.2 Beta 3 to devs, also two weeks after the last update, and finally, Apple released tvOS 10.2 Beta 3 to devs today as well. So far, no word on any new features for the latest betas for watchOS or tvOS, just the typical bug fixes, optimization, generic wording from Apple on what is new. One of the new features in iOS 10.3 betas with regards to CarPlay that is getting some good press is it now makes it easier and quicker, which means safer for users to switch between apps. Previously, to switch between apps, users had to tap twice uh, to get to another app uh, in the CarPlay. One tap would be to go home, and then one tap on the other app icon. Now, in CarPlay, on the left side, there's a dock with three recently used apps. Now, to go to one of those three, just tap on one of them on the side dock. That's it. Just one tap. So now, switching between the Maps app and the Podcast app is even faster and quicker, and hopefully that means safer. Almost 10 years ago, when I launched TII, the big dog on the block for smartphones was the BlackBerry. I even switched from BlackBerry to an iPhone. Early on, there was Comp along with, for a lesser part, Windows Phone, and then, of course, Palm. Palm long since dead. Well, Gartner just released numbers for the last quarter. Smartphone unit sales and market share, uh, and this is for global numbers. Android, of course, is number one for market share at 81.7%. iOS is second at 17.9%. But mind you, iOS is where all the profit is. Windows is third at 0.3 market share. And BlackBerry is fourth, rounding to 0.0%. As in zip, not a nothing, no soup for you, market share. This news is kind of sad in some ways. I was a longtime BlackBerry user, 2000, 2007. It took some time to get over the phantom hip vibrations. But now, just like BlackBerry's market share, they are both gone and just memories. I found this next bit of news rather surprising. Apple Pay surpassed PayPal to become the most popular mobile payment solution in the U.S. 36% of more than 500 top U.S. retailers surveyed now support Apple Pay versus just 16% a year ago, with another 22% planning to accept Apple Pay within the next year. PayPal fell to second with 34% support rate, Then came MasterCard's mobile payment at 25%, Android Pay at 24%, Visa's checkout at 20%, and Samsung Pay at 18%. In any case, I do find myself using Apple Pay more and more and more, but I may be an outlier, as my wife almost never uses it. But she might be an outlier on the other side. Thanks again go to Bolt & Branch for sponsoring our show. With Bolt & Branch, you will get the best sheets, which are made from 100% organic cotton, because organic cotton is incredibly soft and the sheets get softer each time you wash them. We have had ours for over a year, and they are incredible and really soft. You'll get the nicest sheets you've ever owned for about half the price of what stores and boutiques would be charging for sheets of far lower quality. I really could not believe how excited my wife was to get these new sheets. And the box they came in, and the individual pouches for the sheets and the pillowcases, well, the presentation was incredible. Get $50 off your first set of sheets at bowlandbranch.com using promo code TII. Again, that's bowl, B-O-L-L, and branch.com, promo code T-I-I. These sheets are only sold online at bowlandbranch.com. You can't buy them in any stores. That is how they keep the pricing low and free of markups. But here's the best part. Don't take my word for it. Try them out yourself, risk-free, for 30 nights. Bowl and Branch is so sure you'll fall in love with their sheets that they'll give you 30 nights to try them out. If you don't love them for any reason, they will take them back and refund you without any hassle at all. They also have towels, and the ones I purchased for my wife are by far the best towels in the house. Plus, they have other cotton products, including infinity scarves, baby blankets, beach towels, and of course, once again, the best sheets anywhere. Go to 
bowlandbranch.com today for $50 off your first set of sheets. That's B-O-L-L and branch.com and use promo code TII. Hey, Rob. This is Scott from Washington, D.C., Capitol Hill. I'm on Pennsylvania Avenue. I am outdoors, and I'm speaking with you or talking to you on a Apple Beats X. As you recall, my last voicemail, uh, I was having a problem with the AirPods staying in my ear. And after a couple of weeks of using them and I ordered some adapters and as you said in the last iPad, I, I mean the last um, podcast, that you can't close the case with these adapters on. And that's what the issue was. I was I couldn't charge them. I couldn't close the case. And I had to take these adapters on and off every time I wanted to do anything with the iPods. I ordered these Apple Beat X. And I'm just getting used to them. You said you wanted to get a phone call and see what they sound like. Comparing to the iAirPods, the music is better. These go very deep on my ear canal. Um, I'm not sure if they're comfortable. They're, they're, they're a little tight, but it comes with a lot of adapters and everything, like, like you know. I don't know how this voicemail is going to sound because it's my first one since I've had them. But, again, I returned the, uh, the AirPods um, to Apple, and now I have these Beats X, and until they can make some sort of adjustment with the units falling out of my ear or different sizes or something. For right now, I would rather have the AirPods, only because I watch Apple TV at night, and I can put those in my ear, and they're more comfortable with uh, without disturbing my wife or anything when I'm watching TV. Um, I can fall asleep and everything with them in my ear, and they're great. But these are a little, they too, uh, I, I just, I'm not sure yet. So I'm going to test these out for a while and see if I like them. And there you go. Let me know what you think if anyone else or anyone else leaves a message or if this voicemail sounds different. But it's kind of tough on me right now even to finish this phone call. All right. Thanks. Rob, I enjoy the show. Take care. Scott, thanks as always for your feedback. And good, the audio quality is pretty good, though, from the BTX. In a email or post from Shannon Holden, he wrote, quote, Love, love, love my AirPods. That's all. Unquote. And in another email, Hi, Rob. Experience to share. Went into the ocean for less than five minutes with AirPods in my pocket. Realized my mistake. Took them out of the case. They didn't seem that wet. Air dried for a little while, plugged the case in, and it seemed fine, but couldn't get the green light. And case would not charge itself, but would charge AirPods, which sounded fine. Then the case stopped charging the AirPods, went to the Apple store. They told me the case was dead. Apple listed a new case for $69, but the store didn't have any. Furthermore, they told me the AirPods would eventually become muffled and then die as well. So advised not to buy a separate case. Conclusion, total loss. Regards, Tim. Tim, sucks to be your AirPods. Sorry to hear about that. I imagine we're going to have more stories where people are going to have forgotten that they had them in that little pocket in their jeans and then they got into the washer and got washed. Um, people are going to have them in their pockets and fall in a pool or other things. But yeah, salt water by far is going to be the worst of all the things uh, that you can hit them with. And well, folks, do not submerge your AirPods and don't take the case. Make sure they're in a nice waterproof area. Bring a waterproof case with you. While your iPhone 7 and 7 Plus may be waterproof, the AirPods definitely are not. Kickstarter project offering up waterproof case starting in 3, 2. Here's a quick tip for using the iPhone as a magnifier. As my eyes and the rest of me get older, I find it harder and harder to read the small print on labels, especially on electronic products. If you go to the settings, general accessibility, then turn on magnifier, then open up the camera app and triple tap the home button and select magnifier. That will then give you a special magnifier mode with a slider for zooming in. It's really cool. Again, that is found under settings, general accessibility, then toggle on magnifier. 
And by the way, even if you have no plans to use that anytime soon, I recommend you check that out if you've never done that before, because someday you're going to meet somebody that's going to need that, and you're going to be able to tell them this great little tip. Just wanted to say I really love the show. I'm talking to you on my Apple AirPods, but I have a problem. I was really excited how the AirPods worked very well with the Apple Watch. Now playing would allow me to pause and resume the touch of the watch. I could turn the volume up and down, forward or advance back with anything that was playing. But since the new release of 10.2.1 and the Apple Watch update, this is no longer the case, and about the only thing I can really change is the volume using the stem, and even that to Apple's music and not what's currently playing in your ear AirPods. That might fill in this big void. I was so excited and disappointed in the lack of control of my AirPods. Thanks again. Thanks for the feedback. Things look a little bit different with the 10.3 beta, so hopefully this is a situation that issue you're having will go away once 10.3 comes out for you. We are now over 3,500 members strong in our Google Plus community and growing. Thanks to everyone that has joined, and thanks for the great posts. One new post in the Google Plus community that went up since the last episode was from Chris Carlson, who asked the following, quote, looking for suggestions on what AirPrint compatible printer to buy. Also wondering how the heck I can download a PDF to my iPad Pro to print it out through the app for my Epson printer. I could pull a PDF from cloud storage with the app to print in on my current Epson printer, but I can't download and store a PDF from this tablet trying to do my taxes and can't figure out how to do this. So I only have a print option, but no compatible printer and no option to save as PDF, unquote. Chris then replied to his own post, okay, I figured out how to save the PDF from Safari. It's, it saves to iBooks, though. No help because I still can't access that from the Epson app to send to the printer, unquote. And Barb E, or Barbara E, replied, quote, my HP printer, when I select print, gives me the option to save as PDF, and it's not a specific app. It's anything printable, unquote. And here are my thoughts. Um, I recently purchased the Epson WF3640 uh, series printer, WF stands for Workforce. Uh, so WF3640 series printer from Epson. Here's what I required for an AirPrint wireless printer when I was looking for a new printer. Um, first, it needs to have two different paper trays. One for standard 8.5 by 11 paper and one for photo paper. Finding an AirPrint printer with that specific feature, it's tough. I had an old HP printer that had that feature, but HP stopped making that one. To me, the two paper trays are a must-have feature. Nothing is more annoying than trying to print a picture and it goes to 8.5 by 11 sheet of paper because you forgot to switch the paper. Or you go to print a document and it prints on photo paper. With my wife always printing pictures from her iPhone, it has to have this feature and, of course, be AirPrint compatible. I looked around and around and around and around, and the Epson one, which I purchased at Target, looked to be the best option for my needs, and it has worked really well. Knock on wood. I have had it for about five months now, I'd say. Uh, the other thing is I wanted it something that was readily available at a, at a major brand store, so I knew the cartridges would be available for a while. Since the last episode, there were also dozens and dozens of other new posts and comments in the TII Google Plus community, which is an Android fanboy's free zone and a spammer-free zone. Yep, it is the most civil Google Plus community covering iOS. Folks, go to todayinios.com slash community to join in. And thanks to all 3,500 plus of you already in the community and contributing. I would like to call this next one almost a rumor. Sony introduced new camera optic modules capable of 1,000 frames per second full 1080p HD slow motion video. To put that in perspective, the iPhone 7S's camera and 7 Plus camera can do 120 frames per second at 1080p and 240 frames per second at 720p. So at 1080p, that's about eight times faster than the current camera module. No word on what it can do at 720p. Apple has traditionally used Sony for their camera modules, but Sony has not confirmed if this module is in production yet or just done and getting ready for production. So this likely will not be in a 2017 iPhone with 2018 or 2019 more likely 
whichever phone it makes it in, I will say this, do not get the lowest storage capacity as the video will be huge, huge file size when you're talking 1000 frames per second, 1080p video. Oof. If you are a longtime listener, you have heard me say, do not use Apple patents to predict future product relaunches. Patents from Apple almost always fall into two categories when they're made public, that is. Those for product that already exist and those for product that will never exist. There is a reason for this at Apple, Cisco, Microsoft, Google, Qualcomm, and others. They put a big carrot out there in front of employees to get patents filed. Things some of us would think of in the shower and then re realize you know, later on are like completely worthless. Oh, that's a good idea, but it's worthless. Never, you know, we'll figure out oh, why it wouldn't work. Well, anyway, to employees of these tech companies, that means a bonus and status bump for getting a patent. You get a little plaque, your name on it. And in these companies, they have teams of lawyers that do nothing but process patent applications. So their jobs are reliant on processing lots of patents. There is no sanity check on practicality. The only requirement for applying for a patent is, can they likely get the patent for that idea? Again, no matter how impractical it seems. And that leads us to this one that has been making the rounds the last week. And it's for a patent application 201600477 from February 16th, 2017, titled Connector-Free Magnetic Charger Winder, which is actually an extension of patent number 9450946, published on September 2016. Both patent and patent application had the following abstract. So the second one is really just an extension of the first one. Quote, a method and apparatus for charging an electronic device includes rotating a magnetically attachable element or elements within the electronic device. Rotating a magnet external to the electronic device simultaneously rotates the element. Rotating the element causes an electrically generating device such as a generator to create an electric charge in the electronic device. The electric charge may be used to power the electricity generating device or the electric charge may be transmitted to an internal power supply in order to charge another component or components, unquote. So people are saying Apple will include a generator in your Apple Watch so you can spin the digital crown to generate power for your watch because you know winding up a watch is what we used to do so people clearly would love to be able to do that be able to spin their digital crown to generate the electricity to power their apple watch of all the patents and that patent applications i have seen this is the most ridiculous and impractical one period think about using your two fingers to spin and spin and spin and spin the digital crown and how much energy you would expend doing that and the amount of space in the watch it would require, and the small, very, very, very small amount of charge you'd actually generate. When you see a rumor of an unannounced product or feature, and it's tied back to a patent or patent application from Apple that is now public, just remember this one. And then enough said. One of the rumors out there about the iPhone 8 that has to do with internal design, it's actually practical, is that Apple's going to stack PC board design to allow for more room for an L-shaped battery so as to get more and better battery life. One thing to note, if they go to OLED displays, which it seems like they're going, um, they are more energy efficient. So what we're talking about here is bigger battery and more energy efficient displays. In theory, these two will combine for better and longer battery life. Not that anyone has ever asked for that feature. One thing you will not see, however, is a more dense battery design. I think Samsung has shown the world that there is a real hard, fast limit on battery density. And if you push close to that limit, well, things could explode in your face, literally. So that brings us back to this rumor, which means to get more battery capacity, you need to make more space for the battery. And one of the ways to do that is the stacked PC board design that... Ming-Chi Kuo was talking about here. Another rumor from Ming-Chi Kuo is about the OLED iPhone 8 and is the usable area of the screen. He is saying that it would be an edge-to-edge -edge design 
and that it's a 5.8 inch display of which 5.15 inches will be the main display area with a bottom row reserved for a virtual home button and other functions. Think the MacBook Pro function bar, but at the bottom of the iPhone where currently there is a home button and open space. Essentially, the fingerprint scanner and the home button will be built into the screen, but at the bottom. This might mean you could select where on the bottom section you to scan your fingerprint, maybe left, or right, or middle. And then the icons for your current dock that's at the bottom of the screen would slide down into this bottom row, leaving an open space for where you prefer to touch for the home button and the fingerprint scanner. Um, so anyway, lots of mock-ups out there on this possibility and this use of this space, I guess what people are saying is, well, you got this big area at the bottom that's not being used. Now we'll start using it. So a quick recap on where we are on the iPhone 8 rumor front. OLED display, A11 processor, all-glass body, edge-to-edge display, Touch ID integrated into the display, no more actual home button, wireless charging, maybe wireless charging from a remote distance, multiple models, but only the top end with the OLED display, rear camera of 16 megapixels, possibly in the future even a thousand frame per second, high-speed 1080p HD video, and a 3,000 milliamp hour battery with the stacked PC board design. And this all leads to pricing that on the high end would be well over $1,000 and likely over $1,100. And some are saying $1,150 for the price of this new super high-end iPhone 8. And even at that price, they would be out of stock when they launch this in September until this time next year. Rumors about Apple going to OLED displays for future iPhones are now so strongly believed that they have spun off secondary or spin-off rumors about where those OLED displays will come from. Initial rumors had Samsung as the primary OLED supplier with some more from uh, LG and possibly some from Japan display. Um, but now the new rumor has China's BOE Technology Group as being a key supplier of OLED displays starting in 2018. Part of this rumor about BOE being added is that another rumor says Sammy, LG, and Japan Display would not be able to meet demand for OLED displays for the new 2017 iPhone, given the amount of iPhones are likely to sell and what their OLED current output is. And that because of this shortage, the only, the newest and latest and greatest top-end iPhone 8 or iPhone 2017 would have an OLED display. Japanese rumor site Mac Otakara is guessing that Apple will have a March event to roll out new iPads. Here is where it gets fun. At this event, Apple will introduce four, count them four, new iPad Pro models. A 12.9 inch and a 9.7 inch that are updated, which would then be joined by a new 10.5 and 7.9 inch versions as well. Because why the heck not? The 10.5 inch version we previously mentioned was a rumor from others and has an edge-to-edge screen but has the same overall footprint as a 9.7-inch version. The 12.9-inch version would get a 12-megapixel rear camera because nothing says dorky like holding up a 12.9-inch iPad to take a photo. The 12.9-inch version would also get a true tone display like that in the 9.7-inch iPad Pro. The 7.9-inch iPad Pro would get a smart connector feature and keyboard, I would imagine, plus four speakers and a two, 12 megapixel back camera side, the backside camera as well. This is the first time we've seen four new iPad Pro rumors because, well, if there was three, now you have to have four, right? And this is all in a March event. Color me skeptical, very, very skeptical on this one. Hey, but make sure when you do color me on an iPad, you do so with a true tone display so that I look as good as possible. But a March event with four iPads, that's not enough. We need more. And one of the rumors going around is they'll also be updating the iPhone SE at the event. It would either be announced in March at, a, at the special event that they're expecting for all the iPads or just rolled out quietly in April. No real specifics beyond the updated storage levels and, quote, other unrevealed improvements on Quote, if this sounds a lot like someone that looked at the calendar and said, you know, a year ago in March, Apple introduced the iPhone SE. Maybe they will update it a year from the release, and maybe we should write an article where unnamed sources say unnamed spec improvements are coming for the new iPhone SE, and then we can get clicks on our ads on our site. Well, if that's what it sounds like to you, yes. 
Yes, that's exactly what it sounds like to me. Folks, not all fake news sites are political in nature. Some are tech-related. From the Google Plus community, from Myron Euchre, he wrote the following, quote, I have looked at lots of rumors regarding the iPhone 8 or X, depending on who's posted it, and one thing I don't hear about is Apple replacing the Lightning with USB-C, which is a shame. Apple continues to stand alone, enforcing people into their own proprietary connector for whatever reason. Maybe it's because they can enforce standards such as MiFi, or maybe they just spend too much money developing it to switch now. I just bought a brand new Windows 10 laptop, and the one thing I'm realizing is that the industry is quickly shifting to USB-C, at least with Ultrabooks. My laptop has only three ports, one USB 3 port, two USB-Cs. One USB-C allows power in, and the other allows output to a monitor. Apple was just the first to switch their computers to USB-C, but now the other computer manufacturers are following, at least on their super thin laptops. Most cell phone manufacturers other than Apple are also switching from micro USB to USB-C. It may become uh, the one port to rule them all once the accessory manufacturers catch up. It will take a while for TVs, vehicles, etc. to switch from USB to USB-C, and I'm sure there will be adapters uh, or hybrid cables, uh, but I suspect soon those of us with iPhones will be the only ones without a USB-C connector on our phones and tablets, unquote. Here are my thoughts on this. I have devices with lightning connectors, and I have those with USB-C. To me, the lightning connectors seem the more robust. From a tech capabilities point of view, switching from lightning to USB-C does not buy Apple really anything. Lightning is pretty much ubiquitous at this point. So no real reason to change for compatibility reasons. And let's not forget the revenue generation Apple gets from the Lightning ports. You don't get $246 billion in cash if you don't, you know, like cash. So technology, it's kind of a wash, if not a little advantage for Lightning connectors. For availability at this point, there are a lot more Lightning chargers out there. And from a cash flow point of view, there is a disincentive for Apple to switch. So all those things add up to lightning ports for a long time to come. Some think Apple is going to completely wireless design. I don't see that. I think they will still want a way to plug in when you don't have a charging mat or disk available. So for the next few years minimum, I don't see the lightning port going away. Plus, there's still the need to connect devices to computers to reboot in DFU mode and other reasons to connect directly to the device, not wirelessly. So... In my opinion, Lightning is going to be here for a few years minimum and probably longer than that. When Google Pixel came out, people were calling it the first iPhone killer from Google. And I said, quote, it's really the ninth or tenth first real iPhone killer from Google. Or put another way, yawn, unquote. I totally dismissed it and said it would have no impact on the iPhone. Well, you want to know who else yawned and dismissed it? Consumers, that's who. Since Google did not break out or hint at the actual numbers, see previous comments about Yawn, analysts had to do their thing and take a guess at the numbers by talking to a bunch of people, I guess, and pulling numbers out like they normally do. And BMO Capital's Daniel Solomon estimated 900,000 units sold in Q4 of the Pixel. Or you know about what Apple did in any 24-hour window during that same quarter. Ouch. Or Yawn. Hey, Rob. This is on. I made a recent change from carriers from uh, AT&T to Verizon. Had no issues on Verizon at all. Actually on AT&T at all. But now on Verizon, it shows in uh, recent calls, it shows both devices showing recent calls from mine and my wife's. And I don't know if there's a setting to shut that down through Verizon that AT&T didn't have control of, but it's kind of annoying that you get a list of all both devices, all the call lists. So I tried rebooting the phone, but I wasn't sure if it was maybe a, a system restore inside the phone app of the uh, from the phone company. So thanks if you can help. Bye. Don, thanks for the voicemail message. Not sure if there's some special setting there with Verizon, but if anyone has Verizon and is, knows how you can have two different users getting both uh, people in the house, both getting the phone calls and the most recent or missed, and if there's a way to set that. I mean, I know the FaceTime, when you have FaceTime set up and you're using multiple 
um, devices with the same FaceTime IDs that that'll happen. But this is for phone calls, as Don was saying. So if anyone knows how to keep this from happening where two different devices are seeing phone calls and missed phone calls uh, with Verizon, if there's some hidden setting or some setting you have to change back in at Verizon, let us know. Give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or shoot an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Into the email bag. Hi, Rob. Why do you think Apple has never embraced the ability to draw your words, i.e. swipe or swipe SWIP on the Apple iPhone keyboard? It is my preferred method of keyboard entry to do it. I have to switch to the swipe keyboard, and then I have to switch back to the native keyboard if I want to use voice recognition, which is not available with swipe. You would think Apple would see the draw to type keyboard swipe as an accessibility feature, if not for the simple reason that it's an easier way to enter words. It can't be because of patents, since there are many different keyboards that have this capability. Any input from you or other podcast listeners would be greatly appreciated. Keep the great work with the podcast and I miss it. Regards, Ray. Well, hi, Ray. I'm hoping this is one of the features added in iOS 11. Apple has a draw to text uh, feature for the Apple Watch, and it just makes sense for them to add it to iOS as well. Speech-to-text is great when it is practically used, but there are many times when you simply could, would not or cannot want to hear or don't want to have people hear what you're, want, you're going to say to enter. So you wouldn't be, want to be in a crowded place and start entering in information that's kind of private. So you would want to be able to have this swipe-to-text feature just like the Apple Watch has to when you want to type a reply to a text message. Let's keep fingers crossed that iOS 11 adds this needed feature. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. I was going through my purchased music on my iPhone, which is songs that I purchased and have had since my iPhone 3G, and I made sure that I had them downloaded to my device once the whole Apple Music fiasco happened. Lo and behold, but half my music isn't there. I go to the album, which tells me it's downloaded, but certain songs I have to touch to play takes me to the subscription plans for Apple Music. You have a G-rated show, but I'm sure you know what I want to say. How do I correct this issue? Because I purchased my 6 Plus outright to go on a prepay plan to save money, and I'm at least uh, at, at, at less than 500 megabytes on my data for another week. I love Apple, but this infuriates me so much, and there's nothing I feel I can do because I'm going to switch. I'm not going to switch to Android. Any insight? you or your listeners have would be greatly welcomed. Regards, Jason H. And I'm going to throw this one out to the audience because I don't have this issue. I haven't had this issue. All my music is there that I've downloaded, but I've never set up Apple Music, and I don't know if you set up Apple Music one time that that causes the issue. So if anyone out there knows of the issue that Jason's having and how to fix that issue, give us a call, 206-666-6364. It's 206-MOON-DOG, or shoot an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Back to the email bag. Rob, not sure if you ever listened to This Week in Tech, but on the most recent episode, Robert's, and this was a couple weeks ago, Robert Scoble and Leo Laporte get really in-depth about predictions for Apple releases this year. Scoble is literally betting his career that Apple will announce and release AR hardware in 2017, and he claims he has multiple sources to back this up. Who knows for sure, but he does put up some pretty strong arguments, and whether you believe it or not, I think you'd enjoy listening to their banter about Apple and its products. FYI, it's all pretty much happened within the first 30 minutes. And just as a heads up, I can already see you shaking your head every time Scoble refers to Apple's patents as support for his arguments. Regards, Eric Boyles. Eric, see earlier in the episode where I totally tell you why patents mean nothing. And also, this is Robert Scoble, so you can pretty much dismiss pretty much most of what he says there. This is the guy that got in the shower with Google Glass, and I do know Robert Scoble, too. Um, So, yeah, take anything he says with a big, big grain of salt. And I think I said it on the show before, but in case I didn't, uh, AR versus VR. AR is augmented reality. Think about what happens when you're hallucinating. That's augmented reality. It's kind of real, but then there's some extra stuff added in that's not really there. And then there's virtual reality. That's like when you're dreaming, which none of it's real. So that's the difference between AR and VR and really short explanation. And AR-wise, people are just going to point their cameras around. That's how people are using AR and their iPads around. And I don't see any, well, maybe there'll be some special hardware, but I, I wouldn't bet the farm on it. And Mr. Scoble has been 
a longtime proponent of AR because of Google Glass. And uh, again, there is no insight that he has there, a secret into the back doors of Apple about what's going on. Hey, Rob, it's Brent out here in Oklahoma City. I wanted to report in and let you know that I have once again prevailed on uh, getting my money back from a Kickstarter project that was funded, but yet they never shipped, and that was the Snaps or the Snaps or whatever Snaps, I guess it was, project. I ordered a large number of them. I was going to sell them on my store that I um, have online, and I received emails from that company for over a year, and then they just stopped emailing, and I never received the product, and so I opened up a dispute with my credit card company, and even though it had been over a year after Kickstarter rebutted my dispute, I provided all of the emails that the Snaps company had provided and sent out, and the credit card company found in my favor, so I did, did get my $189 back, Hopefully, Kickstarter and Indiegogo might start taking note of this and might start protecting their buyers a little bit more than they do now because uh, the credit card companies are definitely protecting us, and I'm sure that Kickstarter and Indiegogo do not like these uh, having to pay these chargebacks, but the truth of the matter is when you... I, I understand it's a campaign and all that good stuff, but... When they say that the product is, is going to be delivered if it gets funded, then I believe that you're purchasing a product. Now, if it didn't get funded, yes, I, I can understand that. But when uh, they say that, you know, if it gets funded, they will be uh, giving you that product and sending you that product, and they don't, to me, that's just fraud. So apparently the credit card companies also feel that way as well. But I just wanted to let you know that, any of your uh, listeners out there, if they have a project that's over a year old, they never received it, you still have a shot with your credit card company at getting your money back as, as I did. So that's two projects now that I've prevailed on with Kickstarter and Indiegogo on giving my money back via my credit card companies. Uh, that gives hope to others. Anyway, just wanted to let you know. Thanks for everything. Catch you later. Hi, Brent. Thanks for the feedback. But I disagree with you on something. It's not fraud when they don't get the project done. They don't know that they're going to be able to get the product done. That's why they're on Kickstarter. They're raising money to try to get the project built. And sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. It's not fraud that they didn't get it done. It's technical incompetence. Maybe they over the, overestimated their technical knowledge. But in most of these cases, it's not where the guys took the money, went to Isba, Spain, or went to some um, Daytona for spring break, or just blew the money down in San Pedro or something like that. This is a case, in most of these cases, where they tried to get the product done, and they just couldn't get it working. And, and that was the whole reason they went to Kickstarter to start with, was to raise money to try to get this product built. So I think it's wrong to say that these are fraud. Now, there are cases where there have been fraud. But in most cases, with Snap's case here and some others, they just had product that just didn't work. They thought they were going to get a design that worked. They thought they had it prototyped out, but they don't know for sure until they get in into full production. And they can't get into full production until they get the funding. And you are funding and you are taking a chance. I'm glad you were able to get your money back, but you were buying it for a store. And I think you're really using Kickstarter for the wrong way. Um, Kickstarter is really meant for people to help fund this thing and go. Now, you're taking a chance for your store to get product at a lower price. You're taking a risk, but then you're going back and taking away that risk. So, in the long term, if everybody goes and it goes back to Kickstarter and tries to re get refunds on every project that doesn't ever ship, it's going to cause a lot of issues for Kickstarter and Indiegogo for their viability in the long term. Uh, so, I take a different approach on this. I think people are really trying to do Kickstarter for the most part to fund a product that they couldn't get going any other way and are doing it without giving up equity in their company. And, and that's good for them. And it's a risk. And you know, sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. Are there cases of Freud? Absolutely. And in those cases where the evidence is there, um, I think Kickstarter and Indiegogo should definitely give money back. But when cases are where the people can show that if doing the product, here's how much money they spent, 
on tooling and dye and NRE charges and materials and things like that, and they burn through all the money, then I, I, I don't think that's fraud. I think that's, again, and it just failed. It was a failed product, and that happens. Switching to a different subject, kind of. You know what they say about drones. The best drone is the one you have with you. What good is it to have a $600 drone if it's sitting back at the house when you really need a drone right now? Well, that is what this next Kickstarter project comes in for, and it's called Selfly, S-E-L-F-L-Y, S-E-L-F-L-Y. It is a smart flying phone case camera, or, quote, an autonomous flying phone case camera, which is only 9 millimeters thin and easily fits in your pocket, unquote. It is a drone in your iPhone case that has a camera. Note, the case does not fly your iPhone. It is a drone that pops out of the case, and the drone flies, and has a camera for taking pictures from above. It had a goal of 125K and blew that away with 450K so far, and you have until March 10th at 7.44 a.m. Central Time to fund this, which will set you back $99 for a single case and drone, but really look at the $119 version, which is a self-fly camera kit plus one self-fly power bank these are available for all iPhone 6 and 6 Pluses and 7 and 7 Pluses. They are available in any color you want as long as they are not a color, which means either black or white. Please, folks, do not use these at your kids' basketball games or soccer matches or football match or games. To learn more about this project, search Selfly, S-E-L-F-L-Y, at kickstarter.com or in the show notes for episode 421. Thanks, Kevin, for the heads up on this. Into the email bag. Hi, Rob. I wanted to let you know about my application, IWGuide version 2.0. is now available on the App Store. The name IWGuide, I-W-Guide, I-W-G-U-I-D-E, one word, came back from the early days of Netflix streaming where it was called Instant Watch. The app is free, universal app, which allows you to find quickly what are the titles Netflix added to their category in the last 14 days? What are the titles Netflix are going to remove from the category in the next few weeks? And what is the best titles as rated by Netflix users in the past five years? In addition, tapping on a movie poster will provide more detail about the corresponding title. If available, you can play various trailers directly from within the app. Of course, you can open Netflix app directly on the title currently being viewed by using the Open in Netflix action from the Share button. This application is now supporting 23 different countries, whereas the previous version, uh, what, version 1, was only supporting the U.S. market. And the app can display information about movie TV shows in eight different languages. Your listeners can learn more at www.iwguide.com. Thanks for a great show. Regards, Stefan. Well, Stefan, thanks for the heads up on your app, IW Guide. Hi, Rob. On episode 419, George called about using headphones with an Apple TV or other device. Though I have not had any experience setting up an iOS device as sort of a Bluetooth receiver, one method I have used many times setting up distributed home audio out of an Apple TV is using a digital-to-analog converter, which was required because the distributed home audio system did not have digital audio out input. It only had analog. So the Apple TV was hooked up to the television using the HDMI cable, and then the optical cable was plugged into the converter box, which fed to the audio through the distributed home audio system. George could use the same method to feed analog audio to a set, into a set of wireless headphones. The below is a link to a device I'm referring to EAKAI. Digital Optical Coax to Analog RCA Audio Converter with 3.5 millimeter jack. And it is through Amazon. Hope this helps. Love show. Regards, Dave T. Tell me a poem. Oh, freddled grunt bugly. Thy maturations are to me. As plurdled gabble blotchets on allergid. Oh, even I can't listen to this anymore. Tell me a poem. Roses are red. Violets are blue. Haven't you got anything better to do? Tell me a poem. I'm not sure that's such a good idea, Robert. I write the fourth worst poetry in the universe. Thanks again to Bowl and Branch for sponsoring this episode. Folks, go right now to bowlandbranch.com and use promo code TII to get $50 off the nicest sheets and cotton products you've ever owned with free shipping to boot. Before we go today, I want to remind you to send in your feedback to the show, 206-666-6364. 
That's 206 Moon Dog, or record your feedback and email to the show at todayinios at gmail.com. Feedback can be a question or comment for something said on this episode, or it can be a question or rant you have about something else. An app, a product review, good or bad, as long as it is iOS related, it is welcomed. I'm always looking for a new artwork to feature that you've created on an iOS device. Just put some TII branding on it and send it in. And of course, we're always looking for more music created on an iOS device to play on the show. This is your show, and your feedback is greatly desired. Also, don't forget to check out our moderated Google Plus community by going to todayinios.com slash community. And finally, check out the newly updated TI app, which is free to you. We now have the Apple Watch app included. Search for TII in the iTunes App Store is the best way to consume the show and to get push notifications each time a new episode of TI is released. It is fully voiceover friendly, of course. Please go right now, download the TI app. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, reminding you to phone different. This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I. To wonder what life is all about. Yeah, keep on painting, keep on painting. You got to, yeah, you got to keep on painting, keep on. Keep on painting. No bass, no treble. No bass, no treble. No bass, no treble. It's all about that vocal. It's all about that vocal. No bass, no treble. It's all to wonder what life is all about. Yeah, keep on painting, keep on painting. You've got to, yeah, you've got to keep on painting. Keep on, keep on painting. No bass, no treble. No bass, no treble. No bass, no treble. It's all about that vocal. It's all about that vocal. No bass, no travel. It's all about the vocal. Keep painting, keep on painting. I love you. Yeah, yeah. Keep on painting. 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 Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love you. Yeah, yeah. Keep painting, keep on 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 painting. Yeah, yeah.
Yeah, yeah. No face. 